Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply And hello, everybody. Welcome into Scout's Eye on Football for this Wednesday, uh, December 30th, uh, while we are getting near years. And we've done this for, we did it last week. We've done it for a couple of times. And I promise we're going to get back to a normal schedule starting next week. But we are going to go once again back to back uh, show Scout's Eye on Football here in this hour and then we're going to do take a short break and then come back with Landry the Landry football podcast so we're going to have back to back we're going to cover a number of things as we normally do it we will do this show at this time slot on Wednesdays Scouts Eye and College and Pro Football and then on Thursday mornings this time slot we'll do Landry football podcast want to do the Landry podcast I'm fine with doing it tomorrow but uh, I wanted to do it today we work on that podcast, Landry Football Podcast, with the great folks at Radio Influence. And I wanted to get the podcast into them sooner so that they could have more time with their family New Year's Eve, just like we did last week with Christmas Eve. So that's the reason for it. You still get the podcast. You're still going to be able to listen to it. Hope you can uh, watch us and talk with us and communicate with us live. But understand if you've got other things going on, uh, but we're going to get back to a normal schedule. So We've got uh, much to get to today. I'm going to talk a little bit um, about a few things that are on my mind um, this hour. We're going to talk a little bit about um, this, the evaluation process of coaches. Uh, I, you know, want to go into some things that I think are really important um, about the process. And I get this a lot. You know, people say this guy's not real good. And look, it's, it's, um, there, there, there's some things I want to cover in that and, and discuss on that and really talk about opinions. We, in general, we, there's no shortage of opinions out there. Um, and I think there's actually less intelligent conversation that goes on about anything. Um, certainly as it relates to football. And I'm going to get into that. going to talk about the, the, Look, the bowl cancellations are what they are with this year. Just grateful that we're going to get to this conclusion of the season. I'm not looking forward to it being over. I'm looking forward to us getting through it without any more trouble than we've had, and we've had some. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about week 17 of the NFL. How do you handle 
preparation uh, in this, as well as some of the preparations for bowl games, say, for the playoff team. So we're going to get into some of that, um, really get into most of that next hour in the Landry Football Podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit about advanced scouting and what college teams and pro teams do to prepare for opponents and how do you break down film and what are you looking for and things like that. So we're going to get into that. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about um, the the difference, but, you know, a lot of talk about analytics and a lot of talk about a lot of things that people throw out there in a very generic sense. That's really nothing to do with what we really do as, as coaches and scouts. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the issues. And again, uh, next hour, some of the things about, relation to these quote-unquote quitting, these opt-outs, and how we've discussed it before. I don't want to harp on it, but uh, how the bowl process is, um, look, we're going to have to look at it, either solve it or move on from it, but there's a lot of issues that are going on there, and, and it's it's like an awakening for folks, and I think it's getting worse every year. And this year's a COVID year, but there's a lot, um, particularly when you have a player opt out during the game as we did last night. And I'm not laughing because it's funny, um, but this is not a surprise. We've been warning you that this has been coming and has been coming for a few years and it is not going away with COVID. It's, this is not a COVID issue. The cancellation of games are a COVID issue. The players opting out, quitting are, well, there, it's going to get worse and worse, and we're going to discuss ideas and, um, you know, understanding the processes and try to, in, in solving any situation, you try to look at both sides. So we're going to, a lot to get into this hour, next hour, essentially two hours of football. Uh, I see where Jig's dad and Wichet King have joined us um, in the chat room, really appreciate both of those guys are cheering us on, uh, a hundred bits. That's awfully nice. Happy new year, um, to both of you and appreciate your friendship and support. Uh, want to encourage everybody to join us in the chat room and, um, you know, give us your thoughts, comments, questions. We're certainly going to get to some stopping points in the conversation today and address it. But first of all, reminder too to go ahead and sign up if you haven't done so, uh, or if you listen to this, not live, um, sign up, go to twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry football and subscribe to the show. It's real easy, very simple. Um, if you're a member of Amazon prime, it's free. Uh, very, very simple. Then it's cheer us on. You can, um, if you sign up, all you are, you're doing is you, you will be made aware of when shows are coming on. So we appreciate you joining us. All right. So want to get into something that, um, that is been kind of prevalent and it is every year at this time. It's about coaches and evaluation of coaches. And I've done several shows on, the critical factors for evaluating coaches, the 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 process of of in coaching searches or evaluation of coaches, the understanding of the proper way to do it. But there's there's a lot of things that I think are are very misunderstood, and I think are very 
very surface view and quite frankly are very misleading and I think forms a very uneducated view by a lot of folks. I I can't remember who it was, but uh, I, uh, I didn't get a chance to address it on yesterday's SEC show, but you get this a lot. And, you know, um, this guy's not very good or he's whatever. And first of all, if you have, if you can't be objective or if you look at a person or a school or a team and you have a strong opinion, about what makes them go to just some people are just jealous of folks that they just who are successful and maybe don't give them credit. Somebody was, was talking about, for example, that um, I guess it was something we talked about, uh, about Alabama and Steve Sarkeesian and, oh, he's very overrated as a coach. And he's um, what he's doing right now is not overrated. Anybody with a, um, an understanding of the game it understands that what he's doing is at an elite level in terms of game planning. Now, granted, um, there are different types. I guess if you want to make the analogy of a chef, you know, if you take leftover stuff in the fridge, you may not make the best meal, but you can make the best of it. Um, there is this belief that, uh, well, everybody can do that. They have all that talent there. It, you're looking at the results, and you're looking at the speed. You're looking at the talent, which is significant. But if that's what you see and you only see the result and you don't have the intuitive nature to understand what you're looking at or if you don't even look at film or don't know what you're looking at, you don't get a chance to appreciate all the things that they're able to do. Now, they're able to do a lot of those things because they have good talent. One thing that is a challenge, and it's a different challenge, and, and trust me, the talent level of a team is, is critical. It's the most important thing. It's where you start. I've seen great, talented teams get poorly coached and not developed and not motivated to play at a high level each and every game. I see it all the time. I see it at both college and pro level. see it at the high school level. The ability to get players to stay focused and to perform and to do things and not just rely on their athletic ability is an indicator of that. I mean, I think, and we'll find out if he ends up winning the Heisman Trophy or not, doesn't change the fact that a guy like Devontae Smith is at a phenomenal season. Well, he's got good talent. He really does. Look at how much better he's gotten over the course of his career. Look at how well they utilize and scheme things open. Look at how seamless they've moved away from Jalen Waddell to other guys. This is not just anybody can coach that up because there are a lot of guys that have been in similar situations that don't have those results. And so look, anybody can have any opinion that you want but not all opinions are as relevant as others. An opinion is only as relevant as the credentials behind it. I mean, anybody has a right to an opinion, but there are reasons why certain people are in a position to make certain observations and are able to see things. 
A, you got to have objectivity. B, you got to have the tools, the right film to look at. You have to have access to be able to unearth what's there. And C, you've got to have the experience and the aptitude to know what you're looking at. And one of the things I found over the years is just the uh, everybody thinks they know what a good coach is. Well, how do you know who's a good coach if you've never coached and you really don't know what they do and how they do it? Um, I, you know, that con- that constantly amazes me. Um, you can look at the result, but you don't know what created that. You don't know what the problem was. That's why certain guys have players or coaches fail in some instances or succeed in others. There's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Every situation is different. And if it was as simple as most people think it is, you wouldn't have as many mistakes. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be as, um, uh, you wouldn't have all the mistakes that you have made. There are, because a lot of times people just look at it. Um, I think one of the toughest things to do is to coach teams and players with really good talent. And I want to talk about this because as we go into the, particularly in college, the elite programs. Well, it's easy to win at Alabama and Clemson because they had all the talent at Ohio State. If it was easy, everybody would have done it. At Alabama, there have only been two guys that have won at this level consistently, Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Big, big gaps between the two. Yeah, Gene Stallings won a title. Nobody else at Alabama won a single title from Bear Bryant to Nick Saban other than Gene Stallings one year, you know, um, yet you have somebody that, you know, number of guys, and and I don't want to, you know, demean what they've done, but, but you've got some, a lot of guys that have maybe won one title, but well, why can't you do it again? Why can't you do it consistently? Ah, that's the key. That is the key. The ability to do it consistently determines how well you are. That is very difficult. You are now recruiting players at the highest level. Well, you get the best players. It's easy to coach. No, it's, look, I'd rather have talent. It is easier in a sense to coach a player with a lot more talent because he can do things that maybe another guy can't do. So it gives you more options from a coaching standpoint. So yes, it's easier. Okay. But in another, on another call, on the other hand, it's tough to coach those guys. They all think they have the answers. They're all the best player at their school to get them all to suppress their elite greatness for the betterment of the team. That is a different thing. So there's different aspects of coaching. From a strategic standpoint, it can be easier to do things. But from an emotional, from a mental standpoint, to get players to suppress their own individuality for the good of the team is tough. It's challenging. It really, really is. So um, I I think it is, I always say, you never really know. And you never really get your chops as a coach until you're 
trailing at halftime of a game and everybody's looking at you. It's usually when you have your team struggling a little bit and they're looking for answers, that's the key. And, and it's not easy. If it were easy, then anybody would do it. There are other people, you know, that have resources. Um, Alabama, for example, among the elite programs had the worst strength and conditioning program. I mean, even under Gene Stallings, it was awful. I mean, it was virtually non-existent. You have to build that. You have to have the vision. You have to have um, the, the, the fortitude to put those things in place, but you got to win. And so I, I think it's always important to look, and it's easy on the surface. This guy won over there. He'd be a good feed here. Well, not necessarily because you're looking at different things. You got to get deeper into it. Get deeper into the whys. You have to understand why somebody wins, why somebody doesn't have success, player, team, coach, to understand whether it's transferable. And are the circumstances different? Is the leadership at the school different? Uh, The ability to not just control things, but the support. All those things have tremendous impact on whether a guy can go from one place to the other. Um, I I think it's very difficult, and I think most of you can relate to this. Um, I may have a view of who's a good salesperson or whatever. They got great sales. Well, what's the product that they're selling? And you you folks that are in sales have a better feel when you've worked with folks who's really good and who's, you know, really, Hey, their product sells themselves and they just kind of do what they do. And it doesn't take any real quality or skills. You'll know that because you're in that. If you're in, you know, any work that behind the scenes, unless you're there, you don't know. And, it's one of the things that I always stress. It's what makes maybe sports in general. But in, in this case, football, everybody thinks they know. They watch the games. They have opinions. They go in the chat rooms, on social media. They like this guy. They hate this guy. They think this. They think that. And they have these opinions. And there are all sorts of stats you could throw out to support whatever opinion you have. Really doesn't apply in most cases. But, hey, if it fits and makes my argument, well, again, not interested in anybody's argument here or there. It's about getting to the truth, getting to understanding what's really good and whether it's transferable to their next step. And it's part of what I always tell folks. You may think you know, but the old saying is you don't know what you don't know, the things that you're not exposed to, the thing that you don't know. Like, for example, you may look at success of a certain position coach or a coordinator, and you may not really know who's responsible for certain things. Understanding who does what matters. Oh, I know. I talked to somebody close to the program. Always love that one. Such BS. You're not talking to anybody close to the program. You're talking to somebody that has an opinion, just like you do, that maybe is a more learned, more insight, and more inside information than you do, but they're not there. 
And when you always hear sources, that's exactly with somebody on the outside that doesn't really know, as opposed to getting it. As I always say, I'm not smart enough to have sources. You have to talk to the people. Unless I can view meetings, which I got to tell you, modern technologies help me in my work tremendously because I can watch meetings now take place virtually. Used to have to go and sit in on them. And, you know, this past year, it's not been something that's doable. Practices can watch and hear and see what goes on there and understand how they handle installs, how they handle certain things within the program. That's when you get to learn, all right, this is where you can attribute the success or the failure and where things are. So there's a lot more to it. So uh, I wanted to kind of get into that, the, that the evaluation of coaches. And hopefully I've expressed that and not, hopefully not in a rude way or disrespectful way that I, I don't have a problem with somebody just saying, um, I believe this or that understand that unless you're there and unless you know how to evaluate, unless you've coached yourself, unless you've scouted, unless you've, unless you've done the job yourself, you really don't know. You're just looking at the result and you know, you're making an assumption based on a limited knowledge base. Um, and I think that's important. Um, I got to tell you that, it's, uh, I'm going to get into this a little bit more next hour, but the bowl cancellations and the opt-outs are becoming more and more of an issue with players. And I'm going to wait to get into it, as I mentioned, next hour, but it is something that's not going away. This is not a COVID issue. The team opt-outs, the team, the bowl cancellations are COVID-related. The players, nothing to do with that unless a player does come down with it or he is part of the contract tracing. The issues are that the bowl games, as I said, when we had the playoffs, made all the other bowl games not relevant. I still enjoy them. I've said this before, I think, I enjoy them more than the players. Maybe even more than some of the coaches do. They're just not that important anymore. Some, I think we need to get rid of them. Maybe we should. I mean, I'm not, I can go either way, but but I'm kind of of the opinion. If you want to make the bowl games relevant, there's a way to do that. And I'll get into that next time. If, if you want to eliminate them, eliminate them. I mean, it's just, it's, but what it's the way it's being done. And I've mentioned this on other platforms. The lack of vision in college football, the lack of understanding how one move affects another is exasperating. It's the most reactive group around, not proactive. No vision for how one thing's going to affect another. To where it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's a common, it's almost like you don't take care of your car. You don't get it serviced. You never get the oil change. You never rotate the tires. You never do anything with it. 
and then it breaks and you gotta you, you gotta have a, a major repair or a major change. I mean, those things will still happen as the mileage or the age of the car gets there, but it's gonna be mitigated a great deal by taking some precautionary and visionary steps. It, it is very frustrating. I don't, whatever way we do it, we do it. But I guess what's frustrating me is people say, I can't believe these guys are doing this. Well, we be telling you they're going to be doing it. You've basically said the bowl games don't matter. So why should they matter to the players? So the players are not the teammates. It should play for the team. <laughs> players, again, that takes a special quality to be able to have players motivated when they're not playing for a title, that they're all kind of looking for themselves. That's the society we are today. Do you think anybody really cares about other people? I mean, people usually care about themselves, usually care about you know, a lot of good people that do things for other people. I don't mean that, but the bottom line is in any line of work, it's a lot of selfishness. It's a lot of, you make the money. It's all about the money. It's you do this. Um, because it's a means to an end. And I said earlier, when I was coaching in college, when we played in a bowl game, it was huge. The preparation, it mattered. Um, players wouldn't think to quit. In fact, it was a high energy level. It was a pep in your step in practice. It was really, really meaningful. There are ways to make that come back. Or if you don't want to do that, then then it's going to be nothing more than exhibitions where a lot of the players more and more are not going to play in it. And so we're going to get uh, uh, into that more next hours. Um, want to get into a couple of questions here. But a reminder, folks, if you have not checked out LandryFootball.com, we encourage you to do so today. we got our holiday special that's still running, so take advantage of it. You go down on the first page. It says holiday savings sale. Click on that. That'll get you where you need to go. Look, it's what we do is we take you inside the film. You can get it for six months. Try it for a month. Try it for six months. Twelve months is the biggest savings. And uh, it's really a great opportunity to get um, involved to learn the game from a coaching and scouting viewpoint, to get a view of the college game, the pro game from recruiting to the draft, the bowl breakdowns, how the players have graded this season um, on each of the teams in the bowl games. Obviously, preparation for a big week 17 in the NFL, more on that in a moment. Um, we got it all for you there. It's football 12 months a year. It's like having your own scouting department, your own coaching department for less than a magazine subscription. It's like being an owner and you can utilize it. People love it to do. It's one thing we don't, you know, from in all the previews we give, you know, some, some gaming and, and fantasy advice, but what we do more importantly is allow you to get information and understand things so that you can, become your best fantasy owner if you're into that stuff. So even though that's not a focus of what we do, reality football is more what, what I do. But LandryFootball.com is where you want to go uh, 
each uh, and every day, and we can provide that for you all year long. So check it out today. Uh, I want to get into a couple of uh, questions. What are your thoughts, Martin Martin? What are your thoughts on Harbaugh's extensions? Well, Harbaugh, that was coming, and it's just a matter of it's actually been done for a while, and I don't, you know, they have not really announced, but that's been in the works. That's just the plan that they're going through. There's uh, obviously some modifications to the deal. Um, it's pretty clear, and this is maybe an unusual situation. In a world where, hey, everybody's, you know, on the chopping block all the time, to have a great deal of loyalty for one of your own is is what has been going on here. And obviously going to make moves on the staff. Look, it, it, so it's, it was expected. What needs to happen there? Jim needs to look at everything in that program. Everything from how they recruit, how they develop, how they practice, how they strength train, everything. And he's got to make substantive changes to try to correct that to get better. Um, and it starts with him. And I, and I think it's going to have to require him to really take a step back and look at it with fresh eyes as if he's not the head coach. Because you almost have to step back and say, let me examine this situation without any, again, with any, when you do things as a coach, you're not doing them with the idea that they're not going to work. You do them with the idea that this is the best thing. Well, you have to go back and look and see what did I do? Where did I make a mistake? And you don't want to overreact. You don't want to overreact and say everything we did, we have to completely change. You've got to really look at every aspect and you need to get some fresh eyes looking at it to help you. And, and there's no question that they have recruited well, not Ohio state. Well, but they've recruited well. They have a lot of players come out through the lake and quite frankly, Don Brown's a very good coach, but you know, what are they going to do from this point on the patience level? It almost fears is this, you know, Jim is, there's no question Jim has put out a lot of feelers. He doesn't have a true agent, but he's got people in the league that's been trying to help him. There's just not that interest by the NFL. I mean, folks, you will hear this a lot. Well, I heard so-and-so say uh, Schefter or more, more. I know those guys. The bottom line, they get most of their information from agents. So this guy, the, these teams are talking to that. It's not coming from the teams. It's coming from the agents. So take that stuff with a grain of salt. Yes, there's conversations, but there's just not much interest. And so the landing spot for the NFL, it's not theirs. So out not firing them wasn't an option that they were willing to go down, a path they were willing to go down. So this is kind of what's expected. Uh, all right, watching LandryFootball.com uh, while working out at the gym. All right, Rich Coates, thoughts on the rumors of Urban Meyer going to the NFL? Um, rumors? Um, it's kind of come from Urban. I've actually talked to Urban recently. I've known Urban for a while. I know that there is, quote, unquote, um, 
some level of interest. I, I don't know how interested he's, he's in. Here's the thing. Um, the recent conversations, and we've had them for since he left Ohio State, were more been more towards what it's like in the NFL, giving him some thoughts on how he needs to do it. Here's, here's my thoughts. Urban's never been in the NFL. And so, in my opinion, if it's me, um, I'm, I'm not sure I'd be – he would not be someone that I would give the total control that he probably seeks. So he would need to surround himself uh, with people that have a keen understanding of how to run an NFL organization. Um, don't see Urban being comfortable just being the head coach – answering to the general manager. I don't see him as that type yet. He doesn't have the experience to be able to make those decisions and be successful unless he had somebody that he hired that could do that for him. And that's possible. You, you, you see it happen. You see it with some GMs. Um, you see it with a John Lynch or, a, or um, you know, somebody that has a head coach that's running things. You can see that from a head coaching standpoint, you can have a GM kind of run things uh, for him to cover the areas that he's not comfortable with. It's completely, I've, I've worked at both and I still work in both. They're completely different dynamics. So uh, I don't know. I think a lot of that is a little ego love having your name associated with it. I, I don't know anybody that is seriously considering urban. Um, but a lot of people would be interested in talking with them. There's a difference. Uh, if it escalates to where I think somebody's willing to put something together with him, I'll let you know. Uh, and, but again, I think it's important to understand that the structure for somebody like him is really important. Never been in the league. You know, it's one thing to hear about it, know about it. He He's done his homework in the past and continues to do it. I think it's something that he'd like to learn a little bit more about and see whether it's a fit. And I think teams certainly are interested in seeing if that's something that he'd be a good fit as well. Um, Spartan Barton says, with early enrollments and opt-outs, do you think bowl games will become more of a preparation for the next season? Spark Barton, that's what bowl games have been for years. It's what bowl games have been for years. If you think about it, if you weren't playing in a bowl game pre-BCS, if you weren't playing in a bowl game, if you weren't ranked high enough to factor in to being voted number one, it was about how high can we finish, maybe get ranked high preseason next year. And yes, we get a lot more experience in the next year. Uh, guys that were coming back were playing. Um, and now you had more upperclassmen would play back then. And let's say if you had a large senior class, a lot of them weren't coming back. So you might say, boy, it's going to look a lot different than in this bowl game. Yes. But so you had that went to the BCS. Well, if you weren't in the BCS championship game, the other bowl games were more and more about the first game to next year. So I've always said that bowl games where you're not playing for a national title, 
the bowl games are the first game of next year, as I like to call it, with the understanding that certain guys will leave the team early or will graduate. And so those guys are not going to be part of next year, obviously. Now that we've got the playoffs, what it's done is made, well, you've got two bowl games, the semifinals that are more important because they're playoffs, but the others are less and less important. Well, I think the early enrollments and the opt-outs are something that I could see coming down the pike a few years ago. It wasn't that long ago. You remember when Christian McCaffrey opted out of the Sun Bowl and there was like, whoa, everybody was like, wow, Christian McCaffrey, great kid, Heisman McCaffrey, not going to play. Now it's news if a guy does play. It's like, hey, is Kyle Trask going to play? Really? He is? Wow. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's playing. The narrative of change or, you know, and I'm just using that as an example, other names. So I'm talking to play, <laughs> you know, a lot of them this year, we've had a lot of opt-outs for a lot of reasons. I, what I, a lot of it's COVID I get, but what we're seeing now is with the transfers, that's the biggest thing now, because now we're getting guys, you know what? I'm going to be a college free agent. I'm a good player. Not only, you know, it used to be just, uh, I'm going to leave early for the NFL. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to play in the bowl game. Now it's, you know what? I'm not sure I'm a part of this next year. Not making the headway that I thought I'm going to transfer. Well, I don't know that I want to, you know, get into playing in this bowl game and all. I'm not going to be a part of it. So they, they quote unquote opt out. That's that's contributed to a lot of that, which is why again the bowls are it's it's a part of a bigger process. It's the whole early enrollments affect guys leaving early because they're a it's three years out of high school, but they're closer towards their degree. They're playing more football. It's you know the degree part is just they have that all have that option, and some of them don't take advantage of it as much as others. But the reality is. The earlier you play, well, the earlier you can leave for the NFL because the more tape you have sooner. So the early enrollments leads to the early opt-outs for the NFL. But now we've thrown on top of that is, well, you can transfer anytime you want. Really? Well, that's leading to that. And then, you know, now what you're seeing is more and more places. You know what? It's not an issue. It's no longer a stain on you that you, quote, unquote, left your team in the ballgame. Even a lot of people will say it. I don't have any problem with them opting up. The more and more that becomes the norm, the more and more they're going to do that with less consequence. Nobody's batting an eyelash. Nobody's criticizing players anymore for opting out. I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't. I'm just saying it's not a thing anymore. It's no big deal. So, of course, it's going to become more and more of a thing in the future. But here's what I'm saying. It's going to become more and more um, earlier and earlier. 
This year we had opt-outs and a lot of it was COVID related and people just say, ah, that's not going to happen anymore. Oh yes, it will. We're going to have more and more players that just are going to middle of the season. Our season's not going all that well. I've got enough tape. I'm going to opt out. It's what's best for me. You, you don't have that. Now, elite programs, you don't have that problem at Alabama, A. Eh? They say, well, you know, Saban doesn't have to deal with it. Well, Saban's always in a playoff contention. Let me remind you that even Saban, the year that they got beat by Utah, there were players worried about the NFL and all of that. That's everywhere, every year. It just doesn't happen at places like that that are competing for titles every year. So I do think it's going to be more and more of a problem. I think we're going to see guys eventually say, you know what, this last two weeks of the season, I'm, you know. So if it's okay, you know, what they say, you give an inch, you'll take a mile. If it's okay, and I'm going to get into more of that next hour, if it's okay to not play in the bowl game, if that's not important, then if we we kind of we we okay that and we just rubber stamp that, hey, no big deal. Johnny's not playing in the bowl game. No big deal. He's leaving his team and you no know, big deal. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's gonna be all about next year's team and who's coming back. But then again, who's coming back just doesn't apply to the guys leaving early. Used to be if you weren't going out with the NFL draft and Unless you flunked out, you coming back. You didn't have, hey, the freedom to transfer like you do today. So now it's going to lead more and more to that. And we're going to see it. Oh, you know what? Season's not going that well. We're, I'm going to leave last two week, last two games of the season. I'm going to leave midway through the season. That's already happening. It's happened. It happened. It started five, six years ago. Player at Oklahoma did it middle of the season through like three games. We're going to see more and more of that. Uh, let's see here. What, um, oh, that's, that's the way. Okay. All right. Let's see. I'm not quite sure. That's fine. Uh, what checking, which current college head coach or coaches do you think would be the best NFL head coaches? Um, I think, uh, there are a number of them, quite frankly, that would be really good. I think Matt Campbell would do a good job. I think Brian Kelly would do a lot of good things. Um, David Shaw would do good things. Uh, I think Pat Fitzgerald would do a good job. Again, do they want to do it? I think Urban could be a really good head coach. Um, you know, the, the, the total control, uh, you know, David Shaw's been time in the NFL. Um, th- there are a number of guys that could, how successful would depend upon the front office structure and what type of control they had or what type of help they had would really determine who would ultimately be successful. Saban would have been successful had he stayed longer. That's what he wanted to do. Um, I mean, he had success the first year, and, you know, it's a different game. If you don't have a quarterback, it's a different game. Just look at Bill Belichick. It's, you know, he's a genius, and but he can't win this year. Can't make the playoffs. Um, it's a lot tied to that. And you can't build a dynasty – in the NFL like you do in college because you don't have the inherited advantages relative to others in the NFL. Pete Carroll's had success. Pete Carroll did not have success with the Patriots and the Jets when he was the first uh, time NFL head coach. 
great success at USC, recruited well, had one of those programs that was blue bloods, could do all that, went to the NFL. He's done a good job there. Main reason is found him a quarterback and um, that he can hang his hat on and build around. Without that, you know, people would be saying, this guy can't coach in the NFL. Well, yeah, he can. A lot of them can, but you got to have the personnel around it. Um, let's see here. What was your assessment of Kevin Gilbride as a coach? I knew Kevin real well, worked with Kevin. Uh, Kevin was um, like a lot of young guys when he came up, very arrogant. Um, but I think he – you know, got humbled along the way. And I think was very bright. A lot of ideas, you know, people tied him to the run and shoot, but that was just an indicator indicator of how forward thinking he was. A lot of the passing concepts. We see some of that today. Um, some in some areas, particularly as a young guy, wasn't really sound in terms of protections, but kind of grew and, and had some success in the league and certainly had success when he went to, Particularly, I think he helped him when he went to Jacksonville, learned on a Coughlin, and then obviously had success with the Giants there. Um, what well, were they? Uh, any details released on Derek in- uh, King's injury last night? It was a crazy game. Twice I thought it was going to be a blot. Um, <clears throat> no, what happens in an injury like that? They put a brace on it, and they put ice on it. In some weird cases, they'll put a heat, but it's usually ice. They need to get the swelling down. So you're not going to know that until they do the, the tests, the MRIs, the x-rays. And you can't get the proper diagnosis, doctors tell me, and trainers, until you get the swelling down. So when they get that, they know that. So it's, I mean, look, they, there's always speculation. I don't like to speculate on that personally because um, I'm not a doctor. But they, they pretty much know that it's, probably this it's probably that and the x-rays the mris confirm it sometimes it's not as bad as you think sometimes it's worse than you think most of the time i would say 70 percent of the time it's usually with the doctors and trainers based on their experience and even i just observing and listening to them they have a pretty good indicator i can't tell from watching tv other than it looked bad, I can't, you know, I have a little bit of a feel. I've been around injuries. I've seen a lot, you know, heard things, but, you know, I uh, don't have any details on it. Also, uh, what is your scouting evaluation of Kevin Green out of Auburn? God rest, Kevin Green. I don't know that I've discussed it here. I'm glad you brought it up. Really, um, Really a great personality, really a good dude, thought did some good things and grew as a coach. Um, Just really way too young. Kevin was a walk-on at Auburn. Um, And a great story and that he was a guy that persevered, worked his butt off, and developed into a really good player at Auburn. Um, liked him as a pass rusher, liked him as a stand-up rusher. He developed even better with his hands on the ground, 
developing pass rush moves. He was always working, but he had that burst. And that's what I always say when you evaluate a player, in this case, Kevin, is, all right, look, you can't look at the production and the sack numbers and all that. Those are the result. What you're looking at is, okay, first of all, what is his size, speed, quickness, requirements, and attributes? Okay. Certainly look at the health. Um, there are certain athletic traits necessary to play each position in the league. And if you are lacking in one, they must be made up in other areas, but they're different priorities in each critical factor for each position. He had great explosiveness in his game. He had great change of direction, body control, uh, and good closing speed. Okay. That's the physical skills. That's great. But what are the intangibles? What What is in any position, in some positions more than others, the ability to learn, the desire to be great? Kevin had that. Kevin was always looking for an edge. Uh, Coach, what, what tape, you know, what do you suggest? Who do I look at? Who's who's really good in the league that I could study? I can remember, I remember him asking that. You know, who could I study to learn a little bit more pass rush moves? And, you know, you can get cut-ups and show them that. Those guys do the extra things. They become really good because you can be really athletic, but you better have that extra qualities to make it in the NFL because a lot of guys have a lot of ability. It's the guys that can improve in the intangibles. You might be good speed. You might have good initial burst, but if you don't learn your counter move, if you don't develop good technique, if you don't develop your swim move and better and better and better, it's no different than developing your route skills. It's no develop, uh, no different than developing your uh, your stepping patterns and your technique and your footwork as a defensive back, linebacker, you, you name it. Positioning on the offensive line, your technique, your foot width, your balance, all those little things, he was very good. And that's why he was very good everywhere he went. Rondé Barber out of Virginia, both Tiki and Rondé, I scouted out of Virginia, were really good players. Rondé was um, – he, he's – what he was in, in it was more of a boundary corner. He was a, he was a zone corner is what he was. And that's what he was. Didn't have great turn and run speed, but really was good at breaking on the ball, had good vision, uh, and was physical and all those things you need to be in a cover, um, cover two Tampa two defense. And he was Booger McFarland out of LSU. Booger was a, um, he played with great leverage. He was short. He was quick. Um, he had strong use of hands. You know, got kind of got labeled as a next Warren Sapp going to Tampa. He wasn't wasn't Warren Sapp, but he was good. He's uh, the good kid. People seen Booger now. Um, uh, he didn't have quite the tenacity that that uh, that Warren did. Um, he was a really good player playing the league for a long time. Um, and let's see. And what are pro teams would be good landing spot for Kyle Trask? Heard New England, Pittsburgh. Um, look, there are a lot of teams. You know, anybody that's looking to develop a quarterback, you know, now which teams would be good for him? Well, you've mentioned two teams that are pretty good. 
not know New England didn't make the playoffs. So certainly there is some advantages. And by the way, this has a lot to do with why some of these guys have as much success or more than the teams at the top. Want to know why Sam Darnold is not good with the Jets? It's the Jets. The team's bad. He may never be good with the Jets. If he doesn't get somewhere, if the Jets don't get better around him or he doesn't get around better players, he'll never be good, and he'll be a bust. Oh, he's a bust. Well, he's got good arm talent. He's got good athleticism. He's got ability to make all the throws. By all accounts, works hard. He's smart, very competitive. But it's not going to work. If you put him in, I mean, you certainly, you put him in the New England in a lot of places that are better, no doubt. I mean, you put him, uh, and I'm not saying it is better, I'm just saying you put him in a different environment. You put him with better quarterback developers, absolutely, no doubt. Um, So I guess the point is with a, with somebody like Tress, there is a chance that late first round, second round, um, you, you've maybe got one of those you know teams that might be better, that's pretty good, that might be looking for a quarterback in the future. There are a lot of them that are looking for quarterbacks. Um, let's see here. Um, USA uh, – USAF Matthew. Hey, man, new name. Thank you for joining us. Indianapolis. Talking about Kyle Trask. I'm um, assuming. Absolutely. Good team. Going to need a young quarterback. Phillip Rivers is, heck, I maybe his last year. No question about it. Um, You know, I think that um, – Frank Wright is really, really good. Now, one of the things that's interesting, there, there are other possibilities too. Um, contractually, and this is the complexities of NFL that people, you know, the what do the Eagles do with Carson Wentz? Do they move on from him? Um, now, that's a guy that would be good working with Frank Wright because he's worked with him before and did a really good job with him. Carson Wentz looked like now that's the perfect example. Carson Wentz is a bust. Seppi looked like an MVP in 2017. You think he's just the talent level left? You think it's? You think it has to do with the fact that the coaching's not the same? You think it has to do with the fact the team's not as good? And and you know I think we tend to and and look sometimes that negativity guys can't handle that, and maybe you're not mentally tough to deal with it. And that is always something you've got to try to figure out, but that's it. Now, Carson Wentz and how much the Eagles would be willing to eat up on that deal or how much you would be willing to absorb cap-wise, tough, tough to figure. But, yes, uh, certainly those are some options, I think, for um, for Kyle. Um, Rich Coach says, uh, who could you see the Falcons keeping and moving on from Matt Ryan? Could you keeping? Who could you see the Falcons keeping and moving on from Matt Ryan or Julio Jones? Well, look, I don't think he, here's the thing about it. 
you don't go in with the idea. I'm going to get rid of this guy. You go in with the idea of what do I need to do to make my team better? So the answer is in either of those cases, how do I replace them? You have to look at contractually. You have to look at the health. You have to look at the capital outlay and the, the cap outlay for the player on his current contract, his next contract, you know, restructure, all those things. The, the goal is not to get rid of players or acquire players. The goal is to get better. So how do you do that? So you have to have a plan to get a better quarterback or get a better receiver, or you've got to use that if you feel like, so the answer to that is, I'm not getting rid of Matt Ryan unless I get a quarterback that's better. Once I can acquire a quarterback better, I have no problem with moving on from anybody. I'll move on from anybody if the guy I can get is an upgrade. But I'm not moving on from a guy and saying, you know, hey, I'm moving on from this guy. That's, you know, leap, uh, you know, leaping before you look. I. I that's just me. I, I'm going to know where I'm going to land before, before I leave. Um, so those are things. Hey, a um, couple of things before we get going um, for this. Some um, We got week 17 in the NFL with a number of interesting games. And we obviously got what I call playoff type games. From Miami, playoff game. Buffalo, Baltimore, playoff game. Cleveland, it's a playoff game. Dallas, the Giants, Washington, playoff games. Um, Chicago, a playoff game. Indianapolis, a playoff game. Arizona, the Rams, a playoff game. Seattle, playoff. Well, Seattle's going to the playoffs, but but certainly positioning. The Saints, potentially position. I mean, they're games that are really important. They're people that are um, got their game you know, Kansas City's of the world. They're set. Can't advance their position, can't get worse. How do you play it? Pittsburgh, looking at sitting a lot of folks. Um, it is not as easy as you think because you can't sit everybody. Quarterback, certain positions, uh, you can sit certain guys. You can't sit your entire offensive line because you don't have – 10 offensive linemen. You don't have a, a second offensive line. Some of those guys are going to have to play. There's running a risk of injury to some degree, but you see, you need to be judicious about how do you play. So here's how I did it. So you're going in and you're going to be the number one seed. What I do is I need to, I need to manage my team. So what players on that team really need rest? Well, they're going to get rest from practice. They're going to get rest from not playing in games if they need rest, um, do they need a little bit of work to stay sharp and then mostly rest? Do they need all rest? Depends. Every situation, I have to look at it individually and I go through it by position with the position coach. Here's what we need to do. Um, I, let me an answer this question real quick. Um, USA. Do you know how the NFL schedule looks with 17 games? I mean, which team is added to everyone's schedule? Oh, uh, when they add a, when they add a, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, we're going to get into that actually. When we add another uh, game, yes, it's going to be 
Um, no, it's, it's actually not definite yet. Um, they're looking at a couple of different options. So at this point, we're going to go to an 18-week NFL schedule next year, and it's going to be 17 games. Obviously, you play all your division games. Um, I think it's going to be a crossover NFC game, but it, it's probably going to be another conference game. There's talk of both. We've got to decide that, and they've got to decide it. I think it's being an extra conference game. Uh, those games are a little bit more meaningful as it relates to playoffs and helps with tiebreakers. That's what I would do, but nothing definite on that. We'll keep you up to date. At least I haven't heard anything definite on it. Back to the playoff games, this scenario. So it's important. Now, if you've got to play the game to win it, you know, you've got to play it like a playoff game. But ideally, if you can rest certain guys, it's pivotal. Remember, a reminder again, only one team gets a buy in each conference this year. Um, we're going to get into next hour how you prepare for next week's playoff opponent and how Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame are preparing for a potential game in the national championship, even though their focus is on their opponent this week, how some of the staff is going to be involved in getting ready for a proposed next week's or a couple 10, 10 days from now game, 10 days from the completion of the semifinals. That is uh, we're going to get into some of that one, a quick reminder, uh, kind of the latest uh, Kansas city's got the one seed Buffalo. All they got to do is win. They will get the two seed or Pittsburgh loss. That looks like a, again, two seeds important. If the one loses, then you've got home field. Looks like, Pittsburgh's going to be the three seed. Tennessee, um, with a win um, this week, and they're in pretty good shape at Houston, gets the four seed. The real key and the real focus to me is Miami-Buffalo. How does Buffalo play it? Miami needs it to get into the playoffs. Uh, Miami uh, win. If, if they lose, they need a Baltimore loss. Um or a Cleveland loss, or an Indianapolis loss. So Miami can still get in if they lose, but it's a nervous situation. Remember that Baltimore plays Cincinnati. Uh, Cleveland plays Pittsburgh, who's resting a lot of guys. And Indianapolis plays Jacksonville. So you really don't want to count on any help if you're Miami. Baltimore, same thing. Baltimore, um gets in with a win. Cleveland gets in with a win. And Indianapolis is the team on the outside looking in. Indianapolis is the team that needs to win and hope. They need to win. Plus, Tennessee losing to get the division. So that's the ideal situation. If Tennessee were to lose and Indianapolis were to win, they would win the South. They could still get into the playoffs if they're able to beat Jacksonville and Baltimore loses or Cleveland loses or Miami loses. There's some other scenarios whereby a tie could put them in. Um, I'll get to that and we'll have that on LandryFootball.com. That's the look in the NFC, in the AFC. In the NFC, Green Bay is in pretty good shape if they're able to beat Chicago, and I think they should. 
pretty good shape to get the number one seed. New Orleans would get the two seed with a win over Carolina. Seattle would be the three seed. But again, um, you're looking at potential of a three-way tie where the Saints could get the one seed if Green Bay loses and the Saints win and Seattle wins. It's a three-way tie. The Saints would get the number one seed. So the Saints um, with a Green Bay loss and a Seattle win. So those of you that are saying, well, wait a minute, didn't Green Bay beat New Orleans? They did. But a three-way tie. Can remember, you can't use head-to-head unless it's in a three-way tie situation, unless one team has beaten the other two or have lost to the other two. And that's the case here, not the case here, in that the Saints would win the tiebreaker. If Green Bay loses to Chicago, the Saints beat Carolina, and Seattle uh, wins against San Francisco. Um, But right now the odds are it's Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, one, two, three. So the four seed is going to be interesting. The four seed – is going to be hosting the Bucks. The Bucks are locked in at the five seed. Um, the Redskins get the five seed if they win and they play Philadelphia in Philly Sunday night. If the Redskins lose that game, and, and again, we won't know whether they're going to lose that game until Sunday night. The earlier window game, the noon Central window game, Dallas and the Giants is for the NFC East title if the Redskins lose. So that's a win the game and hope scenario. The Rams are in pretty good shape to still make the playoffs. If they win, they're in. They, of course, host the Cardinals. Um, The Cardinals, if they win, they're in. If the Rams lose, but Green Bay beats Chicago, then the Rams are still in. So um, it would be, again, a situation in which if, um, if Chicago wins, they're in. But Chicago, if they lose to Green Bay and the Rams win, meaning they beat the Cardinals, then the Bears get in. So... In short, if Arizona wins, if the Rams win, it's a play-in game, but it's tied to the Bears. If the Bears lose, then the Cardinals with a win will get in. If the Rams um, win, they're in. If the Rams lose and the Bears lose, the Rams are still in. So, probably confusing as mud for you but so a lot of intrigue folks the playoffs start this week in the nfl yeah you heard me say that right anytime you have a win and in a lot of these games are playoffs now the official playoffs start next week the triple header on saturday and sunday for a wild card is gonna be a lot of fun we'll get into that uh on um today we've got the florida oklahoma cotton bowl tonight we have the Music City Bowl that was canceled. We'll start the day off with Wake Forest, Wisconsin. Uh, on New Year's Eve, we've got Mississippi State, Tulsa. We've got uh, Ball State, San Jose State, Army, West Virginia. And, of course, Friday, we've got Cincinnati, Georgia, Peach Bowl, Auburn, Northwestern, Citrus Bowl, and, of course, the semifinal games. All the breakdowns over at LandryFootball.com. 
Um, we will, uh, we'll see how the plays up. Yeah. USAF Matthew says it's crazy. Um, uh, that an 11 win Indianapolis might not make the playoffs. Yes. And a division winner like the NFC East will make it. Um, USA, if Matthew says creates an unfair schedule in the 17 games, well, uh, the current schedule is more symmetric. Uh, it puts an extra game in, but what it does with extra teams in the playoffs, first of all, it's all done for money. It's an extra week and they're trying to milk more money out of the TV networks because um, what that does is give you more weeks to sell and more more playoffs to sell. They get more money from the TV network, so they're positioning themselves for that. And it has an 18-week schedule now in which it can get 17 games. Like, I don't think it creates an unfair schedule. It's it, everybody's 17 games, and if you play them in the, the conference, you have more of a head-to-head component. So it means it's just an extra team that you're going to play inside the conference. So the reality is it could help determine a tiebreaker with an extra game. So uh, it's not as – the symmetry is not quite as there. There's no question about it. Hey, folks, we're going to take a short break here and come back with the Landry Football Podcast right here, all part um, – uh, of the Landry Football Network. So check us out here. Appreciate you joining us. Hope you can stay with us. Again, give me a couple of minutes, and we'll be back with the Landry Football Podcast, and we're going to get into some advanced scouting, uh, uh, more about the bowl game opt-outs and how to correct it, and we'll be here to answer all of your questions. So flip on over. We appreciate you. Talk to you in a bit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you wanna get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.